When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi. Welcome to High Theory. In this podcast, we get high on the substance of theory. I'm Kim Adams. And I'm Sharonik Boshu. We are two tired academics trying to save critique from itself. We did an episode on dogs early on, so we owed one to cats. And what better time for a feline feature than the day of Halloween? But the cats were so philosophical that they demanded a special with several parts. Or should we say, several paws. So welcome to our Halloween special. In this part of our Halloween special, Sharonic interviews me about Derrida's cat. I had no idea that Jacques Derrida talks about cats at some point, and you told that to me, so I'm really curious as to what's that all about. So, he talks about cats in an essay called The Animal That Therefore I Am, parentheses, more to follow. This is the English translation. The French has a pun on to be and to follow. Oh, I thought the pun would include the cat, but okay, sure. No. (laughs) No. Derrida's cat is, he insists many times, a real cat, not a philosophical cat. Right. And it is a cat that makes him anxious because it looks at him when he is naked. I was not expecting that. Go on. (laughs) I love my seat. Wait, Um, it it looks at him like exclusively in a state of undress or like (laughs) always, but also in those times. No, it's just his cat. All right. At his house. And there's a... um, Does it have a name, though? No, we never get its name. That's sad. Here's an example. of It uh, it, it looks at him naked several times over the course of the essay. He's talking here about the gaze of the animal when it meets you. And in this case, the animal is imploring him to let her out the door. It is, moreover, a scene that is repeated every morning. The cat follows me when I wake up into the bathroom asking for her breakfast, but she demands to be let out of that very room as soon as it or she sees me naked, ready for everything and resolved to make her wait. So in this version, he's actually not embarrassed, right? The cat sees him naked every morning. (laughs) Isn't that like an integral part of like having a pet? Yeah. (laughs) At some point, point, because like 
like i don't spend a lot of time on tiktok but i have spent some time on tiktok recently and like embarrassing encounters with pets is like a major theme yeah no it is and this is a like embarrassing encounter with pets that the uh, dairy does taking as definitional of the human uh, okay this essay ends up being about like the distinction between the human and the animal and because it's Derrida, deconstructing that distinction. So he thinks that the category of animal is a pretty stupid one because it's huge and it contains everything from fleas to beluga whales. So we should not use this generalizing term that all it does is serve to mark the distinction between the human and the other. And the other, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So we should say animals, plural. Right. So his his argument is that we should just use like the species name. No, he just he wants you to hear a plural every time you hear that singular oh, right. animal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And also to hear the function of language in it. So he makes another pun, a French pun on animaux being the plural and animaux, which he spells M-O-T at the end, being animal words. Mm. combined and he talks about the idea of man as a rational animal or zoan logon eshon that comes down from aristotle as defining man as a reasoning beast because man has access to logos to language so he wants to get rid of that tradition as well or at least shake it up by saying that we should think about the act of naming the animal as other. But that's not the thing about the cat. <laughs> the thing about the cat is that man is constituted by nakedness. So is it a nakedness that becomes manifest only under animal gaze? Like, is there something particularly interesting about being looked at by an entity that is not human? Humans understand nakedness in a very different way. And like mm -hmm. the understanding of nakedness doesn't necessarily translate interspecies. Yes, that's exactly it. Let me read to you a little bit more of his encounters with his cat. I often ask myself just to see who I am. So that's also who I am following. Mm at the moment when caught naked in silence by the gaze of an animal, for example, the eyes of a cat, I have trouble, yes, a bad time overcoming my embarrassment. I have trouble repressing a reflex dictated by immodesty, trouble keeping silent within me a protest against the indecency, against the impropriety that comes of finding oneself naked, one's sex exposed, stark naked before a cat that looks at you without moving, just to see. The point that we were coming to is the impropriety of a certain animal nude before another animal. Right. Yeah, but like it goes without saying that the constructs of impropriety and immodesty comes in only with the human. Yeah, so that's one of the big questions. Like, the animal is also naked. Like, the cat is naked. Well, yeah. Unless but is it? We don't know that it's not wearing a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> or like a little hat. <laughs> How do we know that Derrida's cat is not wearing 
Okay. Okay. So imagining that Derrida's cat is not wearing a hat, we're still going to ask the question, is it naked? We are absolutely thinking that Derrida's cat is not (laughs) thoroughly adorned. So the, the thing is that the cat, Derrida says, can't be naked. Because yeah. it doesn't have clothes, or the clothes that you put on it are not proper yeah. to it. Right, yeah. So, nakedness is a property of humanness. It is connected to shame. And he goes back to, like, Adam in the, in the Garden of Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, and they're covering their shame um, only after they eat from the tree of good and evil. And he wants to push it even further back to the naming of the animals, which is how we end up with those weird animos at the end. Okay. I think we can end <laughs> on the of... In- oh my god. The cat is god here. <laughs> Wait, what? Why didn't we talk about this? <laughs> oh, oh, I see. He, If he's Adam, then the cat is god. Oh. I often wonder whether this vertigo before the abyss of such in order to see deep in the eyes of God is not the same as that which takes hold of me when I feel naked in front of a cat, facing it, and when, meeting its gaze, I hear the cat, or God, ask itself, ask me, is he going to call me? Is he going to address me? (laughs) I mean, I just love that phrase, cat or God. I mean, even without the whole, I was reading somewhere about how our relationships with our pets have changed since the advent of social media as we know it right now. Mm. But I think even before that, people have appreciated the majesty and the magnificence and the uh, sheer uh, inscrutability of cats as opposed to the, I don't know, I don't think there are many mysterious dogs around, (laughs) and which is why I love dogs so much because... (laughs) Because there's just so much to love right in your face. Um, yeah. Oh, also, of course, the cat is his figure for absolute alterity, right? Okay, you can't just bring them one of the... Like, <laughs> one of the okay, I'm going to read you one last quote. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. The point of view of the absolute other... And nothing will ever have done more to make me think through this absolute alterity of the neighbor than in these moments when I see myself naked under the gaze of a cat. So the cat is his representative of the animal other because the cat is like a creature that looks back and looks as if it possesses an intelligence but doesn't act. I think this does relate to back to our dog episode where we talked about like in Donna Haraway's essay where she talks about one way to understand the very deep and very intricate relationship that we have with our pets is to constantly remind ourselves that there is something inside them which is looking back at us. There's something even though that is a something that we do not describe in terms that we use to describe ourselves but it doesn't mean that it's not an intelligence and ascension that is looking back at us and forming us as a subject uh, in relationship to itself. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, that's totally it. That's He's like, he's all about the gaze of the other, the gaze of the cat staring back at you. 
Absolutely. Nice. Let's end on that note and yeah, let's say goodbye. Let's go hug your cat. Only go. if she lets you, if not, pet it. Nice. Bow to her from a distance. <laughs> not naked because it makes Derrida's cat want to leave the room every time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to High Theory. And don't forget to vote. If you like our podcast, please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Sharonik Bosu manages our social media presence. Owen Quinn composes our theme music, and Kim Adams and Sharonik Bosu edit our audio. You can also find us at hightheory.net. We hope you have a highly theoretical day.